Hello and welcome to the Waking Up to Grace podcast, where we celebrate and explore the finished work of our Lord, Jesus Christ. The Waking Up to Grace podcast can be found on every major platform. And now, here's Lenny. Welcome to Waking Up to Grace with Lenny and Melissa. Today, we're going to be talking about the truth about the tithe. Very controversial topic among many, and you have places telling you that you'll get a tenfold or a hundredfold blessing or, you know, even taking as far as you're robbing God and quoting Malachi. Even things like maybe that's why you're not healed. Maybe that's why you haven't gotten the gift of tongues you know, which all these are whole separate topics. So what do you think, Melissa? Do you think it should be a required giving or is it just an Old Testament idea of giving? Well, I think it should be exactly what the Bible says it is, nothing more. So it's not really up to us to decide? It's not up to us to decide. (laughs) No, and it is an Old Testament way of doing things, isn't it? Yeah, the reality is that there is a truth in Scripture, and the truth doesn't go in favor of the big institutions out there. We can say, oh, you know, they're a business, they have overhead, or, you know, they... popular thought. Yeah, or they're giving it to good charities... Right. That was a thought that uh, we had and that was within our circles when we would talk to people because we were very young when we first started going to church together. And it was especially tough for us to think of giving 10 percent. And that was before taxes taken off. <laughs> Seriously, they right? actually said that. The pastor said that, yeah. And then above beyond whenever he can. So that was just like, wow, we don't want to guilt God, but we don't have any money. And then, you know, this would not be very smart financially, but. Yeah, we wanted to do the right thing. Yeah, we had a spiritual drive to want to please God. And so we did end up, you know, paying it forward. Oh, but my thought, I'm sorry, I remember what I was going to say. So asking our circles, like, oh, I, you know, is not sure if we're comfortable giving this much. And they said, well, you know, they, like you said, they have to do this to keep the building going and just give what you can. It'll be okay. But in the back of your mind, it's always nagging, but I'm not giving what I couldn't get past it. Yeah. I had a problem in conscience. Yeah. So we weren't sure if God was withholding blessings and that doesn't feel good to think about. Let's dig into some scripture and see what the Bible says about the tithe. Starting with the Old Testament, Leviticus 27, it says, any tithe of the land from the grain of the land or from the fruit of the trees belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. So the tithe is something that belongs to the Lord, according to the scripture. It's not something that necessarily belongs to the Israelites. And they were the ones that were called on to do the tithe, as we'll learn. In Numbers, it says, The Lord spoke to Aaron, You will have no inheritance in their land, nor will you have any portion of property among them. I am your portion and your inheritance among the Israelites. I have given the Levites all the tithes in Israel for an inheritance for their service that they perform, the service of the tent of meeting. No longer may the Israelites approach the tent of meeting or else they will bear their sin and die. But the Levites must perform the service of the tent of meeting and they must bear their iniquity. It will be a perpetual ordinance throughout your generations that among the Israelites, the Levites have no inheritance. But I have given the Levites for inheritance the tithes of the Israelites that are offered to the Lord as a raised offering. That is why I said to them that among the Israelites, they are to have no inheritance. So the Israelites' tithe was supporting the Levite priests in their service because they didn't get part of the inheritance. And so Israel was supporting the Levite priests in the temple. 
And so that's what the tithes were for. The tithes of the Israelites was given to the Levite priests for the temple worship. Okay. And the Israelites were to stay out of that. It was for the Levite priests. It wasn't money. It was a tithe. What was the tithe? In Chronicles, it says the king contributed some of what he owned for burnt sacrifices, including the morning and evening burnt sacrifices. And the burnt sacrifices made on the Sabbaths, new moon festivals, and at other appointed times prescribed in the law of the Lord. He ordered the people living in Jerusalem to contribute the portion prescribed for the priests and Levites so they might be obedient to the law of the Lord. When the edict was issued... The Israelites freely contributed the initial portion of their grain, wine, olive oil, honey, and all the produce of their fields. They brought a tenth of everything, which added up to a huge amount. The Israelites and people of Judah who lived in the cities of Judah also contributed a tenth of their cattle and sheep, as well as a tenth of the holy items consecrated to the Lord their God. They brought them and placed them in many heaps. In the third month, they began piling their contributions in heaps and finished in the seven months. When Hezekiah and the officials came and saw the heaps, they praised the Lord and pronounced blessings on the people of Israel. So they're bringing all kinds of different things. I don't see money in any of that. The tithe was given through Israel's inheritance. And so that's why when we started off with that first passage, it said everything was God's. All of those things. That was God's stuff that he gave to Israel as an inheritance for them. And they were to distribute that. They had distributed 10% to the Levite priests, as we read earlier. It's a distribution of God's belongings, basically the blessings that he gave them, their inheritance. What we're seeing here and the point of all this is that your money is not included in this. How about that? Your money isn't part of the Israelites' inheritance. If you were going to pay a tithe, you would have to first go back into the Old Covenant, and then you would have to go back <laughs> and somehow gather some of those things that were part of the inheritance. And, you know, that was in the days of sacrificing. So it almost seems like maybe somebody of this newer age came up with the idea to make it more with the new age, make it money instead of sure, kind of update it. In order to really get the full spin on it, you have to pull some of the stuff from the New Testament and twist that around and configure it into something. And we're going to hit those passages too, just to make sure that everything is loud and clear. But here's the passage in Malachi. I've heard it said that this is New Testament, New Covenant teaching here, but it's not. This is still Old Covenant. And just to recap, so, so far what we learned is that the tithe is not money. It is things God blessed Israel with. Yeah. Honey, olive oil. Animal offerings, all kinds of those okay. types of grain offerings. And often it was for grain storage. They would store away their tithes. And Malachi it says, Since I, the Lord, do not go back on my promise, you sons of Jacob have not perished. From the days of your ancestors, you have ignored my commandments and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. But you say, how should we return? Can a person rob God? You are indeed robbing God. But you say, how are we robbing you? In tithes and contributions. You are bound for judgment because you are robbing me. The whole nation is guilty. And uh, our Christian congregation that we went to brought up that passage. Many do. That's probably the single most popular. The Apostle Paul said, if you're following the circumcision, if you don't follow every law, you fail at all of them. 
you needed to follow all the laws if you're going to follow this one. There's actually 612 others that you have to follow if you're going to be preaching the tithes. So better get to work. It's a little disturbing that somebody would teach a Christian this message. Well, it's just the truth. This, we're reading it right out of scripture here. Yeah. Wouldn't so. you say Malachi is probably the single most popular verse that pastors of today go to? Oh, man, they love that one. It sounds very guilty. And if you want to guilt somebody, there it is right there. I don't know if it comes from seminary or what, but it just seems to be the foundation, almost like a verbal agreement. There are certainly plenty of leaders out there that know exactly what they're doing, incorrectly teaching, and they continue to do it, right? Yeah. And then there are other ones that they really believe they're doing the right thing. They just have never tested the spirit to make sure. And yeah. and that's equally wrong. The leaders are in the wrong, but we as Christians, God's grace is sufficient for us. We have everything that we need mm-hmm. to come to these conclusions on our own when we have the Holy Spirit. So yep. we can't blame our pastors. We have to take responsibility, right? We got to dig into the word and the spirit leads us to do that. That's how we're able to, but Amen. can't just blame the pastors. No, don't try to hide behind them because God will see you. Speaking of the word, the promise of Christ, let's look at what tithing is in the Gospels. Some context, if you haven't learned when the New Covenant began, check out our information on that. The Gospels are still Old Covenant. They weren't Christians yet. They were following Jesus. On the earth, he was speaking, but he hadn't gone to the cross, risen again. Yeah. And distributed the Holy Spirit. We have Matthew and Luke, if you want to read those two here on the tithing in the Gospels. We have Matthew 23, 23. Woe to you, experts in the law and you Pharisees, hypocrites. You give a tenth of mint, dill, and cumin, yet you neglect what is more important in the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have done these things without neglecting the others. Blind guides, you strain out a gnat, yet swallow a camel. So we'll pause there. Exclamation points all throughout. Yeah, he was just calling their hypocrisy here. And so you're seeing that he was considering the tithing a light matter of the law, while the heavier matters were mercy and faithfulness. The point here is that he refers to it as the law. More evident that tithing is the law. And the law was fulfilled that, you know, that passage that gets overlooked a lot, that Jesus was born by a woman under law. Jesus was born under law. So the law was still in force when he was born and walking on this earth. He didn't fulfill it until the cross. But we got to remember. Luke eleven forty two. Here we go. More exclamation points. But woe to you Pharisees. You give a tenth of your mint, rue, and every herb. Yet you neglect justice and love for God. But you should have done these things without neglecting the others. Woe to you, Pharisees. You love the best seats in the synagogues and elaborate greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you. You are like unmarked graves and people walk over them without realizing it. You can't help but think when you hear a pastor preaching the tithe that Jesus is talking to them. I mean, he's not literally because he's talking to the Israelites at that time, but it sounds an awfully lot like a rebuke that he would give to them. Well, yeah, they're acting as guides to the Christians and Jesus is calling them blind guides. By grace, we're saved. Once you realize that, you can't handle people putting you under law anymore. It just gets old. No one should, and no one should allow themselves to be. 
So would you like to read Luke, my lovely reader of scripture passages? Oh, let me put it that way. Luke 18, 9. Jesus also told this parable to some who were confident that they were righteous and looked down on everyone else. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed about himself like this. God, I thank you that I am not like other people. (laughs) Extortionists, unrighteous people, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of everything I get. The tax collector, however, stood far off and would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, be merciful to me, sinner that I am. I tell you that this man went down to his home justified rather than the Pharisee. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. Yep. So the Pharisee's arrogance was displayed here. God's not impressed with that. They were paying their tithes and they were doing all these things, but God wasn't impressed. Why wasn't he impressed? Because it didn't come from the heart. Because they didn't have the heart. God's looking at the heart, isn't he, Melissa? He is looking at the heart. They were hypocrites. And now we're going to look at tithing in the epistles. Wait a minute. There isn't anything there. There's not a single verse. Shouldn't there be at least one line? In the epistles from the apostles, all the writings of the apostles, and not a single verse mentioned about the tithe. What are we going to fuel all of our messages with? I mean, shouldn't there be something? You got nothing. If it's true, there would be something. Nothing, literally. I would love to put together a study on tithing in the epistles, but there isn't one. The apostles evidently didn't think it was very important. There is some mention in the book of Hebrews. After we look at Hebrews, we're going to take a look at what New Testament given looks like. New Covenant, more specifically, because when we look at New Testament, we always think of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and that's not the New Covenant yet. That's just going into it. Because there is a proper way to give, isn't there? It's just not what's commonly thought. So we have tithing in Hebrews, and it kind of ties into tithing in Genesis. Lee was telling me that his old pastor at the church that he went to would use this passage in Hebrews often. That was their big way to justify it in the New Covenant. In Genesis, he says, After Abram returned from defeating Kedalomer and the kings who were with him, the king of Saddam went out to meet Abram in the Valley of Sheba, known as the King's Valley. Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. Now he was the priest of the Most High God. He blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram by the Most High God, creator of heaven and earth. Worthy of praise is the Most High God who delivers your enemy to your hands. Abram gave Melchizedek a tenth of everything. This is an interesting passage. Where did Melchizedek come from? Who is this priest of the Most High? It's a mystery when you're reading it, actually. But then in Hebrews, they start getting into more of the meaning of this passage. It'll help shed some light on the tithe part as well. There's actually a, a meaning to this. And so in Hebrews, he says, Now this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, met Abram as he was returning. To him also, Abram apportioned a tithe of everything. His name first means king of righteousness, then king of Salem, that is, king of peace. Without father, without mother, without genealogy, he has neither beginning of days nor end of life, but is like the son of God, and he remains a priest for all time. But see how great he must be if Abraham the patriarch gave him a tithe of his plunder 
And those of the sons of Levi who received the priestly office have authorized according to the law to collect a tithe from the people that is from their fellow countrymen, although they too are descendants of Abraham. But Melchizedek, who does not share their ancestry, collected a tithe from Abraham and blessed the one who possessed the promise. Now without dispute, the inferior is blessed by the superior. And in one case, tithes are received by mortal men, while in the other, by him who is affirmed to be alive. And it could be said that Levi himself, who receives tithes, paid a tithe through Abraham. For he was still in his ancestor Abraham's loins when Melchizedek met him. There's a lot there. The bottom line here is that they're making a reference as Melchizedek is like the coming Christ. And so this tithe was given before the law because Abraham was before the law. And so you think, why did he tithe? And that's what Lee's pastor had used to justify. They said this was before the law. There was a tithe offered. But the whole point just completely taken out of context. If you read Hebrews chapter 7, verse 5, it says, And those of the sons of Levi who received the priestly office have authorization according to the law to collect a tithe from the people. So it is a matter of the law. Still mentions the tithe is a matter of the law. It is the law. Still a matter of the law, according to Hebrews. So why tell the story of Melchizedek and what's the point of it? And one thing you think of, too, we're going to just follow this example. We're not going to follow Abraham's lead and start armies and battles in the name of God and taking spoils and then giving 10% of them to somebody. But why did Abraham tithe to Melchizedek and what was the significance of it all? It was kind of an early appearance of Christ. Prophetic thing. The lesser honored the greater. Jesus is greater than Levi. And the new covenant is greater than the old covenant. The greater is blessed by the lesser. So what you have is that Abraham was blessed by him who was greater You know, Abraham was the promise. He was the promise guy who had the promise of God, but Christ was the promise. It was something very mysterious about that happening, but it was the lesser serving the greater, honoring the greater. So it makes a lot of sense. A lot of people hold Abraham to be held in high regards in the Old Testament, but someone Mm -hmm. would come to surpass him. Do you still call him the father? Or now we look to Christ. Now it's God's the father. father. Christ. Some people still call him father, but. Yeah. yeah, there was someone to come to surpass him, right? When you dig into that passage, it was a matter of the law. It's always mentioned as a matter of the law. The tithe is law. Are you still living under law or are you living under grace? And if you're living under grace, let's get rid of that stinking thinking about the tithe. And let's look at some New Testament verses about grace giving so that we can see what grace giving looked like. You want to read some of those? And we got Acts and Corinthians. I would love to help people wake up to grace. Let's do it. All right. So we got Acts 4.32. The group of those who believed were of one heart and mind, and no one said that any of its possessions was his own, but everything was held in common. With great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was on them all, for there was no one needy among them, because those who were owners of land or houses, were selling them and bringing the proceeds from the sales and placing them at the apostles' feet. The proceeds were distributed to each as anyone had need. To Joseph, a Levite, who was a native of Cyprus, called by the apostles, Barnabas, which is translated son of encouragement, 
sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and placed it at the apostles' feet. So there's one story of early church giving. If you brought up that passage to somebody preaching the tithe, what would the person at the front of the building say about giving that equally to their congregation? You think they would agree with that? If you were to give it equally to your members of your congregation, that would be pretty impressive. That was just what they did. And I always talk about the fact that this was a very special time, wasn't it? Great grace was on them all. The group of those who believed were of one heart and one mind. There were no denominations. All the facts were laid out there. They were all in agreement. And no one said that any of his possessions was some. So they agreed on all that. It was totally cool with them. It was just like, yep, this is what we're going to do. Made perfect sense. Right. Very you special. Know, didn't have some people being like, ah, I don't know. I don't know if I can do this. Right. That was working for them. In Corinthians, each one of you should give just as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, because God loves a cheerful giver. And that's what you saw there going on, didn't you? Yeah. They're talking about follow the spirit of God, basically, as he drives you. If you're under compulsion, There's something wrong there. He loves a cheerful giver because a cheerful giver is given from the heart, the heart of Jesus Christ that's beaten inside of us. That's right. And let me just say on that note, isn't it interesting? It's not just in the Acts there, the group of people who were all of one heart and mind. They weren't just giving a tenth. These people were selling their entire home. Yeah. All their land. I mean, they were doing much more, giving much more. And that was all from the heart. Yep. That just goes to show what giving by faith, giving from the heart does. Yeah. Because, you know, Nobody's telling you to go beyond your means so that you can become blessed. There was no context to that. Okay. I think we got one last passage. No, two more passages. Corinthians 9.13. Don't you know that those who serve in the temple eat food from the temple and those who serve at the altar receive a part of the offerings? In the same way, the Lord commanded those who proclaim the gospel to receive their living by the gospel. But I have not used any of these rites. That was the Apostle Paul saying that he hasn't received anything. and He worked amongst them. He wanted to boast in the fact that he didn't collect anything from his message. And I think that's cool. Good teachers do have a right to receive their living from the gospel. It's all by faith. By faith. Grace giving, grace living, grace teaching. It's all tied into grace. You want to read that one last passage in Matthew and we'll call it a wrap. Matthew 6, 1. Be careful not to display your righteousness merely to be seen by people. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father in heaven. Thus, whenever you do charitable giving, do not blow a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets so that people will praise them. I tell you the truth, they have their reward. But when you do your giving, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your gift may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. So that's Jesus talking. And that is an old covenant passage, but he's shedding very much light on what kind of giving that God would be happy with. The cheerful giver. A cheerful giver is not blowing a trumpet. Look at me. But that's the whole point of the passage is don't do it for the praise of man. Do it for the praise of God. And wouldn't you say that, again, he's paving the way for the Holy Spirit that would be coming that would allow us to be cheerful givers because it's going to give us a new heart. Yeah. Amen. Oh, I just feel so good to get the truth out there, doesn't it? It sure does. (laughs) So we'll call it a wrap for the truth about the tithe. And thank you for joining Waking Up to Grace with Lenny and Melissa. We're waking up to grace and we hope you are too. Thank you for joining us today. This podcast is brought to you by Waking Up to Grace Ministries. 
you can visit our blog page, add comments, or reach us privately from our contact form at wakinguptograce.com.